Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tomahawk Nation Hoops Dedicated Podcast. Uh, it's been a bit, Michael. I think I honestly think we're approaching maybe almost three weeks since the since the last pod. Um, I- I'll recap maybe really quickly just for everybody, kind of what's happened since. So the last time we got together and had a good conversation, Florida State was on the precipice of traveling to to Boston, I think, to to play a, a Boston a bad Boston college team that that had um, like four players, four star, uh, scholarship players available. That was canceled. Other games were canceled. Florida State took a, a you know two week pause, which was unfortunately, uh, from what I, we've been told, over a, over a false positive. So that's that's unfortunate uh, that the league doesn't have a, a mechanism for dealing with that. Uh, came back, played Wake Forest, won in overtime, and then just beat the ever living crap out of Tony Bennett's UVA team. So uh, it that's where where things have been. How have you been in this in this uh, almost three week period? I'm good. I'm good. I'm happy to be here. And you know, I was kind of cringing about that Boston College game because they only had four scholarship players, and and it would have got ugly. And you know, they fired their coach since then. I, you know, I I I, I like to see us beat teams at that their strengths. You know, when they're at full strength. And so, you know, talking to you after just waxing Virginia. Um, is, is, is a pretty good place to be. We don't, we don't have, we don't have to t- talk about beating, you know, walk-ons at, at Boston college. I agree. Although our walk-ons would kick their butts. I'm sure. 
I don't. Yeah, that would have been a, a game for the for the Vipers for sure. Um, yeah, that you're right. Jim Christian has been fired since then, and and I, maybe we should have seen that coming when he when he was sort of, I think, going against his own athletic director and kind of saying like, well, I don't want to play this game uh, in not so many words, uh, but I guess I'm told we have to. But um, anyways, so um, let's start. Yes, destroying Virginia was a lot of fun, and we will definitely talk about that. Let's um, let's go with the Wake Forest game first, uh, since that. So that uh, so we'll go back to Saturday afternoon. Uh, it, it was a nooner there down at the the Tucker Center, and you know Florida State opened up a, a ten point halftime lead, kicked it out to thirteen points early in the second half. You you thought well. This, that's about right. This is, this is going to go to 15, 18, and then, and then 20. Uh, and, and we'll be looking at another, another, another easy gamer to write where we can kind of, you know, stop, stop writing with about five or 10 minutes to play. And Wake Forest was not having any of that. Uh, honestly, um, honestly, Wake Forest probably should have won the basketball game if they just make another free throw or two down the stretch. What what were you thinking if, if you can get yourself back to the mindset before you watched the Florida State Virginia game? Were you concerned about that, you know, Wake Forest performance? I wasn't in the first half. You know, we we put up we put that big run on them, you know, you know, and and, and to end to end the half, it looked like everything was gonna go FSU's way. And then the second half, you know, it it, it didn't. I think we had like a, on the, if you look at like win probabilities, we had like a 98% with about 12 minutes to go. And then everything kind of went wakes way. And if, if you just look at the game, it was, it's kind of a summation of why I don't think that Florida state has the highest floor in the, in the ACC. I think it's pretty clear. And we can talk about it with Virginia that Florida state has the highest ceiling of any team in the ACC, but we certainly don't have the highest floor. And, you know, a lot of those, a, a lot of those, uh, you know, sort of uh, bad parts of our game all came out against Wake Forest. Yeah, we talked about that on a previous pod. I, I think it was in in reference to some people were saying, "Is this is this team better than last year's? Is this Florida State team better than last year's Florida State team?" The last year's Florida State team, their floor was just simply was much higher than this year's floor. I don't I don't think other you know we talked that Indiana game like you mentioned where they were playing really their third or fourth game in like five days on the road, um, you know, and they got beat kind of bad, but there was nothing like a UCF performance for last year's team or, or a, a wake performance at home uh, that they just, they had all the pieces there to make sure that they were always going to play at a certain level. And that's helped by having a guy like Trent Forrest. This year's team may be able to match last year's team in the ceiling. I don't know. I don't, I, it's going to be hard for me to say that, you know, that Louisville home game last year was so impressive, but, but we saw stretches in the Wake Forest game where it seemed like everything was going. I mean, like you said, that run to close the first half against Wake Forest was a was a thing. Of, I mean, that's a classic Litter Hamilton closing half run where you take a close game and, and all of a sudden it's a blowout. And of course, the UVA game. What who needs to be on their game in order for this team to be operating at full potential to, to be playing at their high ceiling? Yeah, there's a couple things there. A couple couple people in particular. If you if you look at just the box score, you know M- MJ didn't have a, a great game, which doesn't help. But but Raquan Evans was non-existent. I mean, he had 
he had no points, no rebounds, no assists. The, you know, about the only reason he got in the, in the box scores because he blocked a couple of shots, and then Sadar Calhoun, you know, pretty much pulled the same same line score. I, 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 it's like he was an O for all, you know, completely across the board. So when we're not getting good uh, uh, contributions from our from our bench, then you know this team is really going to struggle and. Fortunately, since the turn of the new year, we have been getting those 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 uh, uh, performances from the bench, you know. But this this was just sort of a game where it, it that didn't happen, and it shows what doesn't happen. Then the other you know the other part of it is the defense was just not at all locked in to what Wake Forest was trying to do, and, and Wake Forest kind of kind of had their way. We let them shoot twenty seven threes. Um, you know, pretty, pretty much like 26 of them were wide open. Uh, so, so that is not, you know, it was, it was just those, those two things I think are what contributed to my, my heartache watching that game. It was interesting. Uh, when I spoke with coach Hamilton after the, after the Wake Forest game, he said that Wake Forest, and, and I'm going off what he said. I, I'm not, uh, I'm not trying to say this is true or not true, but he stated that from what they, based on the games that they reviewed on tape, which, you know, I know that uh, when they game plan for games, usually one of the assistant coaches is assigned a game in advance and, you know, a different assistant coach is working on a different game plan uh, for a different team. And, and they review you know, a lot of film from this year and perhaps a little bit of film from if it's a similar coach, which I know Forbes isn't, but from a previous year, if they've played each other. Um he said Wake Forest ran some actions, especially uh, to kind of free up some, you know, shooters on the on the perimeter there that they hadn't shown before. Um, did did you just watching it in, in live time? Did, did you feel like Florida State looked confused on defense or that they just didn't have that? Hey, we're playing a top team intensity. Um, I think I think there was a little bit of both. You know, they certainly came out in the second half and and you know did did not you know were not crisp on switching their screens. You know, when when you're when you're switching screens like Florida State does, you want you want to see the the screener really jump into the to the offensive to his new offensive assignment, and we weren't really seeing that. And you know, my my response to Ham, if 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 it you know if it were a private conversation, is that. You know he's been a head coach for forty years or whatever, and 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 the staff is 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 plenty veteran. Um, you know they got to find a way to get the kids uh, ready for these. You know th- whatever Wake Forest is doing, whether whether they've seen it or not. I mean Wake Forest, they're not uh, you know Baylor. You know they're not Gonzaga. It's not like we're we're facing extremely high level offensive uh, players. You know it's just a little scheme adjustment which you know, we didn't see against Wake Forest. Yeah. And the other thing that we haven't mentioned is that uh, Balsha Koprovica was out and in, he twisted an ankle in warmups. Uh, I actually saw him during warmups come over out of the layup line and, and kind of come over to the training staff point down was getting stretched, was on the stationary bike. Um, he was dressed and it, at that point though, definitely was clear that, you know, his, his availability for the game was going to be in jeopardy. And ultimately he did miss, which, which, Hey, we got the win. And then he seemed to be, you know, in a better place to, to give it a go against Virginia two days later. Um, so it seems like it might've been the right call. Does, does having a balsa, do you think that makes a difference in the way? I mean, of course, having a starter makes a difference, but do you think that that, uh, 
having him out contributed to some of those uh, defensive failings or, or maybe defensive rebounding failings? Yeah, there, there are teams where missing Balsa would not be a big deal, but I think Wake Forest, you know, is, is not one of those. Uh, you know, d- despite the fact that they did put up 27 threes, they attempted far more twos than they did threes. And, and you know, having, having him, you know, kind of be that extra presence a lot of times down low enables you to not help so much off of, off of, your, uh, off of the driver and what, what you know, what we saw against Wake was just you know, a lot of overhelping when they didn't need to, um, and then you know, easy kickouts, and and then that one kid, the Australian kid, hit seven of eight or something like that from deep. Yeah, yeah. The the overhelping I feel like was perhaps the biggest thing that I saw uh, from my lofty perch up in the corner of the stadium. Uh, and, and, you know, also Balsa, I think, draws, draws a decent amount of fouls, which we, we saw at the end of the game, Raekwon Gray starting, started to assert himself. I think three guys fouled out for Wake Forest in the process of fouling Raekwon Gray. Uh, some, of those, some of those numbers might have been uh, – they might have fouled out earlier or, or been in foul trouble earlier too if, if Balsa's in the game. But, all right, so, you know, nonetheless – uh, Scotty makes makes a, a great play. I, I, I like Scotty with five seconds left in the game better than I like Scotty with 35 seconds left in the mm-hmm. game. I don't know if I've said that before, but I feel like he actually just does what a what a, a strong athlete should do and goes downhill and doesn't try to get caught in that. Well, should I, you know, should I make a play? Should I set someone else up? What should I do kind of thing? And and he just he just gets to the rim like like a Trent Forrest would and 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 he has great great touch around the basket um so he gets it done and and we made our free throws in in overtime to win the game and we come in to play a virginia team that honestly a lot of people if you read the stuff leading up to the game uh i I perused some some websites uh you know espn and and other various sporting websites and they were kind of of the mindset that well here you know Florida state really needs to show like, are they at Virginia's level with this game? You know, it, Virginia is the top dog in the ACC there. They were, you know, 11 and one or something like that uh, coming into the game in the ACC and, and uh, you know, reigning national champions still, and they're sort of the top dogs. And um, well, that, that apparently is, was, was not an accurate description. Uh, what, what just, what led to that demolition? Yeah, my ex. I didn't. I didn't really know what to expect going into that game. I mean, we have played Tony Bennett well. Uh, you know, like Florida State is 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 I think seven and six or eight and seven since he came into the league, and and you know they they've just pretty much steamrolled every other team. So I, I didn't know what to expect, but you know, to, to use like a baseball analogy, Virginia is typically a team where you got to be really smart. You got to move the runner over. You got to play good defense. You know, you gotta you gotta do it, do all the little things, and then, or at least, at least that's what you expect. And then we go in and we knock out their ace in the second inning. You know, just just clubbing them to death. So it, it was super fun to watch, and it it demonstrated, you know, just how lethal Florida State's offense can be. You know, playing a top fifteen defense and just it, it didn't matter. We just dismantled everything that they wanted to do. Uh, we totally controlled the game, you know, from, from beginning to end, except for a little stretch where Kiha Clark, you know, kind of got started in, in the second half. 
but you know that that was Florida State just being the absolute buzzsaw you know that they can be and it's not it's not saying the Florida State's going to do that again this year or, or that they're going to do it consistently but they 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 demonstrated that their ceiling is significantly higher, higher than Virginia's even if Virginia does probably have a significantly higher floor yeah you know it's interesting too that it's not like Virginia shot all that poorly, to be honest. I mean, I don't, I honestly, I don't even have the full, the full game stats in front of me. I, bad, bad job on me as, as a host, but uh, <laughs> all I can think of is the fact that that entire second half after the first four or five minutes was played <laughs> with a 20 point margin. But I, I, I definitely, I mean, they came out actually, I think the first three shots they made were all three, their, their first nine points were all threes. Um, they just, Okay, it seemed their previous previous versions of Tony Bennett teams had NBA athleticism on it, right? I mean, you had uh, Ty Jerome, who uh, he's not an NBA All Star, but he, you know, it has the length and athletic ability to defend and play against NBA players. DeAndre Hunter actually is playing at a pretty high level for the Atlanta Hawks. Um, and so despite sort of this notion that, you know, this narrative of that Tony Bennett, had, that these teams have been winning, which is incredible X's and O's, um, they, they have had, I mean, Diakite is, is um, he's not in the NBA, but he has NBA length. Uh, and I just did not see anyone on Virginia's team that looked to me like they were, they were going to be able to physically match up one-on-one with the guy they were being asked to defend. There wasn't a single, single guy where I was like, Oh yeah, they can, they can just physically match up with the person they're defending. Yeah. It's, it's a good thing that Sam Hauser is a, you know, one of the best three point shooters in the country because he, there was not a single Florida state player that he could guard. I mean, they, they had balsa was going around them. There was, it was just, it's, it's, it's insane just how bad he is, um, you know, and, and this, that system is built to kind of cover up, you know, you, you, you don't need great one-on-one defenders, you know, you got, you got to just be a locked in team, but you're, you're right. There's just no, you, you look at that lineup and aside from their three point shooting from their bigs, there's just, there's just nothing there to scare you, you know, Kiki Clark, you know, would be real, would be a great, I mean, he's, he's already a really good player, but he would be a great player if he were like, you know, six, three taller. Exactly. And, uh, and they've got Reese Beekman, who's like their point guard of the future. You know, he, he did nothing, didn't even score, uh, Trey Murphy, the, the transfer, I think he's from rice and then, you know, he, he had a decent game and he's got, he's got a little bit of athleticism, but yeah, he had some bounce. Yeah. And then, you know, Jay Huff, it's like, he's Jay Huff. He's just really physical and, and gets away with it. Um, you know, yeah, they're just, it's just not a team that, that really jumps out at you. And, and, you know, even when they were making their comeback, you know, you kind of, you kind of had that feeling that, you know, Florida State's it's just, it's just, it's going to be time for Florida State to take make a run. And, you know, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. There wasn't a single second where I, where I was worried. Um, I, I was even texting with a few buddies during that game. And um, I, you know, one guy's named David uh, and he, he, you know, it, he got it, you know, this game's not over and stuff, but it's just, you know, that, and he's right. The game was not over. That is true. Uh, you know, Virginia is a, is a mentally tough team that knows how to claw its way back. But, you know, just when you just were looking at the, at the players who, 
we're on the court and you realize, okay, let, let's say Virginia comes all the way back from that deficit and ties the game up with 10 minutes to go in the half in the second half. All right. Well, great. Now you got to still play Florida state even or better for the next 10 minutes. And you just expended all this energy just to get back to even. And, and it's kind of like, all right, well, we're going to bring our starters back in now and, and, you know, good luck guarding this 265 pound point forward that we have uh, while you have tired legs. Yeah. When they cut it to seven and uh, uh, Calhoun hit that three to push it back to 10, like that was, it was game over. And you could, you could see from our bench, like, you know, any stress that was coming into that game, it, it, it totally went away when, uh, when he hit that three and Florida state immediately got back to just being loose and, and, and lethal. If you, if you look at, at, uh, Virginia's record this year, they've only played three teams in Ken Palm's top 40. They lost to Gonzaga by 23. They lost to Virginia tech by 14. They lost to Florida state by 21. You know, that that's their three, that's their three trips against really good opponents. Uh, you know, so their best win is like at Clemson maybe, or, or I don't even And that's only really a great win because of the margin, you know, back, back when Clemson was coming off their own pause and was, was struggling. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're kind of a mess and, and, you know, I, I don't, I don't understand really how they're a three seed, except for they've, you know, they've only lost four games uh, or, you know, or a better seed than Florida state. And, you know, the other, the other uh, part of that is that, you know, you look at how lethal Florida state was on offense. If you, if you go back to the, to January 1st, you know, just look at this calendar year, Florida state has the most efficient offense in the nation, which, for those of us that were watching Luke Laux and, and those teams, you know, it's it's really remarkable how far this team has come to, you know, overtaking Iowa for, for the for, for the best offense in the nation. I don't I don't know that we'll finish there, but that's where we are, you know, heading into pit. Yeah, I've been I've been kind of following that stat over on Bart Torvik uh, for a little while now. And it could, because it's been true for a little while now. And um, I, you know, I go back to your baseball analogy. I haven't wanted to say anything during the, during the no hitter being pitched, but when, when I saw some other um, basketball aficionados tweeting about similar, similar, you know, those types of stats um, it, it, I maybe, maybe it's safe now to talk about. It's not going to be the, the podcaster jinx, but uh, yeah, it, it is. It is remarkable. It is remarkable to think about a Florida State team that really used to be. Um, you know, we did a long form on Leonard Hamilton. I think back in like 2015, and ta- and and it really discussed how when he got to Florida State, he had to re- he had to make a choice: do I recruit skilled players or athletes? And he chose: I need to recruit athletes that will at least give me a chance to compete with Duke and North Carolina and Syracuse and whatnot. And then, and then hopefully my, my wonderful coaching staff led by Stan Jones can develop those athletes and, and their offense has struggled. And, and it's remarkable to think, like you just said, that we're now approaching a two month period of time where Florida state's offense is the most efficient offense in the entire country. I think I'll throw out a caveat there that they've played most of their games at home. And we've said for a while that you know, the tuck has some very nice sight lines for both teams. Uh, the Wake Forest kid came out seven for, I mean, the Tucker center has some very nice shooting sight lines and, and a Florida state team that is already athletic, that is already deep, that is already uh, long, that is already, you know, intense on defense, maybe when they want to be, if you add 
50% three-point shooting to the mix, they become a very difficult team to beat. And that's why Florida State is in position to set the all-time ACC record for consecutive home ACC wins. Um, so I don't know. I want to see if the shooting translates over to the road. Uh, at Louisville, it did. At Georgia Tech, it didn't. Uh, but So I think that is a caveat worth noting. But nonetheless, just the ball movement, the reversals, uh, where they're getting shots, right? They are getting corner threes. They're getting in rhythm, step in threes, you know, at the top of the key open shots and they're getting shots at the basket. And that is an efficient offense. You're getting shots at the basket, you're getting free throws and you're getting corner threes. I think that the part that I would add to that is the emergence of Raekwon Gray is just you know, as the best player on the team has, has, has been mostly in that period of the, of the calendar year. And then, you know, on a quieter note, it's Sardar Calhoun, you know, if, mm-hmm. if you, if you look at him, like he looks like a Florida state basketball player now, you know, in the early part of the season, he looked like a really good athlete, just kind of running around. And, you know, now he looks locked in with his teammates on defense. He, you know, he understand what's going, what's, what's going on on the offense. He, he still takes, you know, what I call some Juco shots, but, you know, he'll get those hopefully out of his system. And, uh, you know, but by, by next year, he, he, he could be a really, you know, key player on this team. I, the great, the great point is fantastic. I, it's like, I mean, that light bulb has gone off for the kid and uh, I'm so happy for him and the hard work he's put in had a chance to talk to him a few, a uh, few days ago. And, and I mean, he's, he's just, you can tell that you can tell that he's now getting it. Like I've put in the work and I'm understanding the type of basketball player that I can be. It's like, he found that floater uh, that I think Stan and CY have been working on with him for a couple of years. And he found that floater and realized, Oh, wow, that just unlocked me. Now I can get to the rim when I want, I can pull up as a floater uh, you know, I can, I can get fouled and go to the free throw line and make 10 for 10, like I did against Wake Forest, um, when they needed all 10 of them. So he's been remarkable Calhoun. So I, I'll tell you what I was most impressed with Calhoun about the UVA game. It's not that he made the couple corner threes. Cause that's what that kid does make corner threes. He, I had two assists, not one, two assists where he is, gets the rebound. He is, he's, up court and a blur. I mean, this guy, it, you know, he's like that soccer player that like kind of pushes the ball out in front of him because he knows he's the only guy fast enough to go get it. He, he dribbles like a gazelle almost. Uh, so he, he kind of lost the ball out in front of him to go get it, you know, gets it and waits for the waits for his teammate to do exactly what his teammate should do, which is run to the corner, draws the defense and executes a pass right to where the hands are ready to catch and shoot. Like you said, he's becoming a Florida state basketball player. That is a play that if Sadar Calhoun is making those assists, that's only going to make it easier for him to find himself open going to the basket or, or getting open threes himself. Yeah. A month ago, he probably holds onto the ball too long and charges or he passes the ball too early and dribbles out of bounds. Yeah. Something, you know, something. And that, that, that play, at least the one I'm, I'm visualizing is, you know, the, the perfect timing of letting the defense come to him and then setting up MJ and bam. Yeah. And the game's over. I mean, I think that was a, a thing to make it maybe from like 14 to 17 or something. And, and Tony Bennett calls timeout and it's just like that, you know, done backbreaker. Um, all right. Speaking of timeout, 
we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back with, uh, with a one-on-one session uh, where I ask Michael some, some questions uh, and getting his off-the-cuff responses. And then we will preview the game against Pittsburgh, not Virginia Tech. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right. Um, we are, we are back. We, if, if you missed it or somehow your, your audio listening device, just flip, flip to this spot in the podcast, you can go back and listen to us talk about Wake Forest and, uh, the Virginia beatdown. Uh, right now we are going to do a little one and one sex session. So, uh, Michael, are you ready? Well, I did just have dinner, so I'm a little lethargic, but I'll, I'll try to, I'll try to perk up and, 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 and fire it off. All right. Um, okay. So speaking of, of rescheduled games here, uh, which, which the uh, Virginia tech one was just canceled and, and Pitt was rescheduled. Uh, what is of our other games that have been canceled and there have been many, uh, which is one game that you wish could have been rescheduled and one that you're probably fine to just go ahead and didn't need to play that one. Yeah, the Duke game is is a prime example of one I would have loved to have played at not rescheduled, but at the time, you know, because Kay was not he was he was out of the lineup. Um, I think Jalen Johnson was still injured, and we would have just absolutely destroyed them. Um, in terms of of games that I don't really care, I you know it's Pitt. You know, it's the one we're about to play. Yeah, the one we're about to play is the one I was, I was kind of hoping, hoping we could avoid, just because I, you know, it's not that I don't want to watch Florida State play on the weekend. I, I always do, but 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 man, those games sometimes are are, are a little frustrating to watch. I mean, we'll say this is a bonus question, but is is it just in general though? Are you pleased that we were able to get a game schedule? I mean, is it better than having another weekend or another week off for the team? Yeah, absolutely. I saw that North Carolina had scheduled, I think, Northeastern or, or some, you know, some out of conference game for today. Mm-hmm. And I was I was hoping that, you know, if Florida State, you know, didn't find an ACC opponent that they would they would have, have, have at least found an out, of, an out of conference opponent to play. So, yeah, I'm thrilled that they're playing. And it, actually, it, it's helpful to play another road game because we've only played three games on the road this year. Yeah, and, and it's also one that's not entirely I, – I, I don't know that winning at Pitt is going to do much for our NCAA tournament resume. I, I don't know that losing at Pitt is really going to do a whole lot either. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, you'd rather win the game, but um, they're, they, they're going to be a quad one, uh, one or two-ish uh, game because it's on the road, and so it'll be fine. Um, all right, one and one. Give me we'll, – we'll leave out – we'll go outside the ACC now. Um so thinking about the top teams, and I don't mean Baylor and Gonzaga, but just the top eight to nine teams uh, in the country, give me one of the top teams that you'd say, you know, I'd be, I'd be cool if we get matched up with them in, uh, in March, and one team that you would prefer not to see in, in our bracket. Well, I, I saw, you know, Florida State, I think, was a four seed in the uh, most recent um... – Joey Brackets, who's like the 80th most accurate bracketologist. Mm-hmm. So someone to follow very closely. 
Uh, and of the of the five seeds, I think, you know, which we, we'd be playing in the second round, uh, only like two of them would, would would we probably even be favored against. And then the outlier was Missouri, which is just a bad basketball team with a good record. Uh, so if we're, if we're looking at like that second round game, I would I would love to be matched up against you know someone like Missouri. If we're lo- looking farther down the road. Um, then, you know, I think Loyola Chicago is going to be way overrated in, in the bracket. I think, I think that um, Illinois is a, is a team that we could really match up well with. I would, I would like to avoid, um, you know, Iowa State and, and or Ohio State and Iowa. And um, I'm, 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 I need to watch Alabama a little more to figure out if, if you know, I, I would like to, you know, take them on or not. I'd like to avoid Baylor. Uh, I'll just throw it out there, but nonetheless, I think a lot of teams would, but yeah, I, I like your Missouri call out and, and Illinois is interesting too, because we tend to do, they've got that huge Kofi Cockburn is huge, you know, almost like Michael Ojo esque, uh, you know, mountain of a man, but we tend to do better when we can face uh, kind of more traditional bigs like that. And, and they really only have one, you know, we can kind of isolate on Desunmu and, and, you know, force him to take contested shots. So I like that call out. All right. Um, so thinking about actually, let's just go to players that aren't even on the team now. Um, one player who is currently signed to play at Florida State next year that has you know been doing things that impress you on the court. And l- tell me a hopeful recruit, someone who maybe is in a future class that we are recruiting but hasn't committed yet. Um, for the recruit next year, I think I'll, I'll I'll take Matthew Cleveland. He he was just it was just announced that he's a finalist for Mr. Basketball um, in, in the state of Georgia. So I would love to, I would love to see him win that. He's been putting up ridiculous numbers, as have a couple of other uh, uh, recruits. And then for the 2022 class, I think Derek Whitehead is pretty much the guy to watch at this point. He he, he finally picked up a a couple of uh, crystal ball picks to Florida State. He's He's from New Jersey, but he's been at Montford for for several years now. Um, you know, so so Florida State ha- has had a chance to you know see, see him in person, and he reminds me a lot of Bryce McGowan's. You know, who we lost. He's just he's kind of got he's the complete package. He doesn't have the length that McGowan's has, but but uh, you know he'll, he'll end up being a, a for sure five star. And uh, um, if we were able to to kick off the 2022 class, you know, with like a top 15 recruit, that could that could really, you know, steamroll into a, a, another uh, top class for Leonard Hamilton. Yeah, love to keep the Montverde uh, pipeline going. All right, we'll we'll finish. There's a couple more uh, r- real quick questions here. This is about current players, and this will lead us into maybe the Pittsburgh conversation, but. Give me one reason that Raekwon Gray should be first team All ACC, and one reason why he shouldn't be. Uh, the reason he should be is because he's like in in the top twenty in basically every stat in in the conference. He's you know top ten in fouls drawn and and getting to the line. You know he's he's top ten in, in his free throw percentage offensive and def- defensive rebounding you know he's probably top 15 so so he is the guy who is um filling up the stat sheet so that's sort of the the counting part of of the reason um and then the other part of the reason is if you look at florida state since the new year since he kind of broke out uh, florida state is a completely different team you know now that he is uh, basically decided to you know score in double figures every night 
Uh, one reason that he won't be is because his his stats are, are good, but they're not going to be, you know, they're not going to be first team all conference. Even if he has a good game every game for the rest of the season, you know, he might average like 14 points for the year. And, you know, there's just going to be too many guys that, that, that get voted. It's, it's, it's tough for Leonard Hamil Hamilton's team. I think, you know, I tweet out this every year about how many how, or how few all Americans Florida State's had since they joined the ACC and especially in Leonard Hamilton's tenure. And I don't think that will change this year. Yeah. I mean, guys like Devin Vassell weren't first team all ACC. I mean, I, I think the reason why he won't be is because honestly, he's not wearing blue, <laughs> yeah. but uh, so there's that. Um, all right. Exact same question, except for MJ Walker. One reason why he should be on the first, uh, first team all ACC and, and one reason that might keep him back. He does have the counting stats, you know, especially if you, if you, uh, you know, consider that he plays for Florida state. Cause you know, he, he's averaging, I haven't, I haven't looked it up, but he's averaging like 14 and a half a game. Or he's the leading scorer is, on the best team, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and if, and if, a lot of times when they're voting for those awards, they're, they're picking players from the best team. And he is leading the ACC in three-point percentage in ACC play, uh, you know, and he is a, a senior, you know, totally, uh, uh, you know, uh, he's a dog on defense. It's just, it's, it's hard not to vote, not to vote for him at this point. The, the but the reason again that he won't get voted voted for is because you know he doesn't wear a Virginia uniform yeah or or uh, or play on tobacco road yeah uh, I I think that I think that maybe one of them could sneak on this year I think that be, Duke is bad enough and and if Florida State repeats as as regular season champions I think there could be a, a few folks that I don't know. I, I feel like maybe one of them could, although they could end up splitting the vote. Uh, Kajana Carter and Kerry Collins style for folks who watched Penn State football back in the mid 90s um, and end up neither one of them getting the proverbial Heisman. Uh, before we go to Pitt, just curious, will zero, one or both of those guys in your mind be drafted in this year's NBA <laughs> draft? That is a tough one because Raekwon, is he going to, you know, is, is, is this Raekwon's last year? Uh, you know, I don't know, but I, I, I don't really see any of them, either, either of them getting drafted. Um, I think they could both, they could both totally um, pick up with a G league team and maybe get a two-way contract, especially Raekwon. Um, I think MJ's got a few too many holes in his game at this point. Uh, Raekwon is is the more intriguing prospect. I, uh, you know, we've been debating some of this in Slack. I actually could see Raekwon getting drafted. Um, I and and I actually wonder sometimes if he has, if this year would be a safer year for him to come out uh, than next year, only because NBA teams really like like players who are 21 or younger, they they tend to think of the like, oh well, they could still be getting better. Like oh, they like this is the trajectory and look how much he's improved in the last, you know, three months or whatever. Um, and with it being a COVID year, there's still some of that, those unknowns and like that could work in his favor. Um, if there was just kind of less out there. Um, I don't know. I, I look, if Raekwon comes back next year, I think he will certainly take his game. I mean, every player that's been at Florida state that has come back for their senior year, 
gets better. That's I mean, you look at the MJ Walkers, the Trent Forrest, the Terrence Manns, the um, Al Fortins, <laughs> Tony Douglas. Like when players come back for their senior year, they take that next leap under Leonard Hamilton. I think Raekwon Gray would take that. What I'm saying is, I don't know if that next leap actually does anything for his draft stock. I, I, the NBA sometimes would prefer to draft on potential than production. That's, but I don't know. Maybe this will be something that we can debate after uh, he's he's final four most outstanding player uh, here in, in a couple months. Um, yeah, I would love to see, you know, just how strong that next draft is going to be. This this draft feels pretty strong to me. You know, when you guys like Io Desumu and and uh, you know Jared Butler from from Baylor kind of being pegged as like end of the first round. Um, you know, it just kind of makes it feel like a pretty strong draft to me. This is a strong draft, and that's not even factoring in those kids that are up at the uh, G League Ignite team or whatever, uh, Jonathan Kaminga and Jalen Green, uh, Deshaun Nix. So this is a strong draft. Draft. I do wonder, though, if it's lacking in 6'8". So you've got Cade Cunningham and Scotty Barnes, and then I don't know that there's a lot of other 6'8 ball handlers in this draft. Um, now, I, I think he'd be a second round pick. Let me say that. I'm not saying he'd be a lotto pick. This isn't the rapid ascension of Pat Williams up to spot number four. Um, that's not what we're talking about, but I do. I wonder if that um, ball handling at his size brings a dimension that the Jared Butlers of the world don't. Um, but like we said, maybe a, a conversation for another day. Um, let's talk Pittsburgh. This was supposed to be uh, Virginia tech at home. I, I will quickly say I think we would have blown Virginia Tech's doors off at home. Um, I, I just their, their size, the physical matchup, and and again you throw a Florida State team out there that maybe shoots we'll call it ten for eighteen from three or something like that, or you know eleven for twenty two. Um, Pitt is a unique challenge because of how good Justin Champagne is, right? Yeah, for sure. He's I mean the guy is a double double machine. He he. Uh, you know, he's averaging like 19 and 12 or something for the, for the year. And, and Pitt, when you, when you look at them, there, there's not a lot there outside of Champagne to, to scare you, you know, Xavier Johnson's pretty good, but, but there, you know, there's just not a lot there. And this is Capel's what is it? This is his third season. Um, he has nobody in next year's recruiting class and he currently doesn't have a bunch of any, you know, guys that are going to go out and win a bunch of ACC games. So you kind of have to wonder about, you know, how well is Jeff Capel doing at, at Pitt? But for, yeah, for sure. Champagne is the guy that, that, that the coaches are talking to the players about right now. So do you, do you just let him get his, uh, you know, or, or do you make anybody else, but him uh, or yeah, anybody else, but him beat you? Well, Pitt is re- is really geared towards attacking teams like Florida state. You know, they, they ISO everything. Um, and then, uh, the you know they're they're well coached on how bad refs are, um, mm-hmm. so they they basically you know ISO and then get into the paint and leap into the defender and draw fouls, uh, you know so they shoot they shoot a gazillion free throws. They could they kind of remind me of um, a small version of the bad FSU offenses. You know they're an elite offensive rebounding team. They're really good at getting to the line, and you know that's about it. They don't they don't they don't really do other 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 things. They're not a good shooting team. Um, you know they're they're just they're just kind of there. I I wouldn't be 
disappointed. I'm not saying I wouldn't be surprised because it's definitely not what we do, but I wouldn't be disappointed if we came out and played some zone. Um, I, I, I really worry about our defenders. Okay. If we come out and hit, let's say five of our first seven threes, that's maybe a little different. We start to play that loose game and, and, you know, getting to loot, getting to 50, 50 balls. And all of a sudden it's a dunk fest, but I feel like sometimes on the road, we, we try to reach in, we reach instead of sliding the feet to try to make these, these spectacular plays. And all that does against Pitt is result in them going to the free throw line. And I, and I wonder if maybe showing a little bit of zone would, would just, you know, we'd be that tennis player that is just hitting the ball back over the net and just making the other team hit it back to you, like make the shot. Um, and, and then we'll come down and execute our offense. Yeah, against Pitt, you've got to, you know, if, if you look at the, the style which they play, they're doing they're doing one of two things. They're either jumping into you at the rim or they're driving into the paint and making some sort of short pass, uh, you know, to, some, to a cutter or to someone who's already in the paint. And so, you know, Florida State's uh, tendency to overhelp could really hurt them in this game. You just, you just kind of have to, you know, let the defender, uh, you know, do his job. And that's that's if we stay in man. You know, my my concern about going zone is that we just haven't done it very much. We just don't do it very well. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, exactly. And when we do do it, we we're not very good at it. Yeah. Uh, but you know, if if we're gonna try it, this might be a good, good 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 game to try it. Our our offense, if we're if we're humming along, should be able to score at a you know a pretty decent clip against Pitt. And 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 so I think the only way that Pitt would win is if you know this is kind of a high scoring game where they just shoot like you know forty five free throws. Yeah, and I'm not. I certainly don't think we should play 40 minutes of zone, but I, I just wonder if that would buy us four or five minutes at a time, essentially to not get them into the double bonus with with you know six minutes left in the half. But I, I'll say one thing, and I love the kid. He's made some strides. I hope he comes back next year and takes advantage of the COVID year. I don't know that I would play Tenor and Gom a single minute. I, I don't know that. Um, I don't know that a guy his height is necessary against Pitt. You know, Champagne is what six six, and. And he seems to have that that sophomore year Chris Kamaji target on his back where the referees are looking to call a foul. I mean, his fouls called per 40 ha- have to be super high. Um, they, they, they're looking for him on moving screens. They're looking for him on contact under the basket. I don't know that I would play him a single minute. Um, I think I would give Osborne a lot of run. I would drop, I'd even drop, scotty down to maybe the four at times and and put it put a lineup out there that was mj polite evans gray and scotty or something like that uh just to just to emphasize like guys you don't need to overhelp and we don't need people swatting at the basketball every single time there's a shot yeah i think that the, the only real argument for for playing bigs here is you know because Pitt's a small team the only real argument is that Pitt, despite their the fact that they're small or you know that a lot of their offense comes off of offensive re- rebounds, and if and if you know we can have uh, uh, you know Balsa who suddenly turned into Kevin Durant last game, you know if we can have him in there playing some, and you know I, I kind of share your feeling about Engam, uh, but I've, I've I've felt that way every game. Um, you know he actually he actually had some valuable minutes against Virginia, um, so I'm I'm sure the coach will play him, and you're just a 
to fact check your your fouls committed on Tenorin Gum, he he commits nine fouls per forty minutes. Uh, last last year, Balsa fouled out of the pit game in six minutes. So yeah, yeah so we'll, we'll you know see. what? Maybe Ngam won't even be a problem. Maybe he'll play three minutes and foul out, and that'll be that, and we don't have to worry about playing him for the second half. Yeah. Um, so no, I I think Balsa has a role. Balsa is a tremendous defensive rebounder, and I think getting twenty minutes out of him would be great. But Raekwon Gray is a good defensive rebounder too. And, uh, you know, and even guys like uh, Polite can, can get in there. So I, I just, I don't know if, um, I, I don't know. I, ju- I just would, I'd almost give up an offensive rebound if it just means we're not sending them to the foul line 40 times. Because um, the free throw shots are the best shots in basketball. Yeah, maybe this is the game where Malik Osborne really needs to have a good game. You know, he, he can be that extra, you know, rebounder in there. All right. Um, I guess prediction to, I don't know what the spread is or not. I, I assume we're probably going to be favored maybe by like eight or so. Um, but what's the, uh, what's your prediction here? Do, do we, do we finally get a win in, in the zoo? I hope so. I mean, I, the last two times we've played there, they've averaged like 39 free throws, which is it just, it's a painful game to watch. Um, I, I don't see any reason it's going to be different this time, but I do think that, you know, Florida State is going to continue their offensive production and, and at least score, you know, say 80 points and 70 possessions, which, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't be number one in the nation, but it would be, be a solid game, you know, on the road. So I will take, I will take Florida State um, 80, you know, in kind of a close game. So 80 to 76. I'm going to take Florida State to win as well. I don't know that I think it's going to be quite as high scoring I, I, I don't know. I think it's going to be a slog and, and a game that quite honestly makes me unhappy that I'm spending my time watching a basketball game. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I don't know why, but I, I, you know, Pitt lost to NC state tonight or today, whenever that game was. Um, and I, I don't, I don't think they're playing all that well at the moment. Now, nothing says get better as, as a, as a trip from a top 15 team in the country to your home court. And you have a chance to kind of make a statement for your coach who might be on the ropes, but I think we get it done. I'll say 74 to 72 in a very frustrating game that has you asking yourself, why can't we play like we did against UVA? <laughs> well, we, we both agree that it's going to be a, a stressful uh, experience so if, if it's if it's a if it's if it's at all fun then I think we all win on Saturday I'm gonna I'm just gonna remind myself the whole game that I would prefer them playing than not playing even right. a, a yes. road loss is good to continue to build guys like Calhoun's experience before having to play teams in the tournament so yes it is a COVID blessing that we we canceled against Virginia Tech but we still get to play basketball yeah. So uh, good to talk to you as always, my friend. Uh, I, we'll, we'll have to get back on in, on Sunday and, and maybe have a vent session about how uh, miserable it is watching Pitt, Pitt Florida State basketball games. Or maybe not. Maybe it'll be a, a Festivus miracle, a COVID miracle. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye.